The state of Oregon was one of the first in the country to legalize cannabis in 2015, though weed was decriminalized there in 1973. 2020 was a record-breaking year for the cannabis business in the state. According to the OLCC, the governing body, Oregon saw sales of over a billion dollars last year. On this episode, I'm speaking with Kim London, Executive Director of the Oregon Cannabis Association, a trade association working with local businesses to help grow the cannabis industry as federal legalization seems destined. I'm Trevor Collins, and this is Times Like Now. Hello, Kim. How are you? Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, great. I'm happy you to be here. You are with Oregon Cannabis Association. Tell me some about this trade association. What is Oregon Cannabis Association? How long have you been around and, and what do you do there? Yeah. So I'm the executive director for the Oregon Cannabis Association. Uh, like you said, we're a trade association. Um, we, we Basically, we represent cannabis businesses and allied businesses around the state and from every license type. We were founded in 2014 um, to have um, recreational, uh, a, group of, a group of farmers that were, were passionate about getting recreational um, cannabis into Oregon um, and from there, we grew. We grew into the association that we are. So uh, we are. Um, you know, it's it's real interesting as as we represent this like evolving and maturing industry. We help to set the standard for what it means to be in this business in this space, which is you know an exciting time where we kind of get to, in, in some sense, make the rules and like and set how how we're going to conduct business and, and what the environment is going to look like for us. Um, and we also use the power of the United Voice, the power of our businesses coming together to help advocate for for our business growth, common sense growth, um, and then also help um, educate each other. And then we work a lot with the regulatory agency, you know, as we are developing our businesses, the regulatory agencies are also figuring out what it means to regulate, regulate our industry. So it, it, there's a lot of growth involved. There's a lot of back and forth dialogue and, and the association helps to kind of serve as a hub of information, um, going back and forth, I think between the, between the businesses and, and the regulators and the legislators. Thank you. That's a, a very succinct uh, explanation. And you said 2014. Now, cannabis was made legal in Oregon in 2015. Is that right? Is that when it was? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, now I'm going to get that wrong. Someone's going to send an email. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, that, that was my reading and, and to my memory, to, though my memory yeah. may be a bit foggy on this, uh, for, 14 or 15. Um <laughs> Please go and, ahead. And I should say, I should say real quick. Um, that's when the association was around. I was, I was not part of cannabis at that point. So I, I have been um, with the association for the last uh, almost two years, uh, maybe maybe year and a half. Um, so I, as everyone is is learning and evolving, I too am learning and evolving. So I'm, I'm uh, leading this organization that was really. Um, I, I've, I have some big shoes to fill, but you know I'm doing my best to. It's, we had a great foundation of of uh, folks who 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 paved the way for us, and now it is what it is. So is, some of what cool. you do there in in the support of uh, these these members, how many members, and and what are some of the things that you do in support of them? In what way exactly? 
Yeah, um, you know the membership uh, numbers is is hard to to really pin down. Uh, it's two hundred and fifty plus uh, companies, but that's by parent companies. So in our industry, um, you know, one of our one of our members might represent thirty different licensees, thirty different businesses. Uh, oh, but one thing I'm proud about when I'm when we're looking at our membership is not only do we have some of the we have the largest companies in cannabis uh, in Oregon and also nationally, but we also represent the small uh, family farms as well, the small craft producers. Um, so it's really, really up and down the the scope of both um, uh, size, location, and, and what I they see. do. So you release a newsletter, you have networking events. Tell me some of the, uh, you know, some of the things about the events that you do. And, and uh, again, you work in, in the political representations as well. How does that work? In what way do you do that? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's part of the, the challenging, a, a fun challenge of my job is how do I keep people connected when my people are entrepreneurs and business owners and farmers and they're spread all around the state and they keep, you know, farmers hours and small business owners hours. Um, so how do we get everyone together and get everyone on the same page? Uh, cannabis, I, I, you know, when I first came on it, cannabis loves an event there. I, I would almost say that the uh, expo market, I would say that uh, a year ago, the expo, expo and trade show event uh, circuit was, was saturated. There was, it seems like we, uh, we love any excuse to get together and and uh, share what's going on in the industry. So we did a lot of those events. Um, before COVID, we had monthly member meetings uh, where we would have uh, a monthly meeting in Portland. And then every other month, I would go around the state to have smaller uh, meetups for folks uh, outside of the metro area. So we'd go to places like uh, Bend, Eugene, um, outside of Medford, just trying to connect folks there. Um, and then, like you said, yeah, we have a newsletter that goes out. We do one both just for our members and then one for their general follower base. Um, but now with with the COVID environment, we had to pivot real quick. Oh, I should say, too, that we used to do um, some large public events. So in the summer, we had a very cool event called Summer Fair, which is a celebration of Oregon cannabis. Um, and then we also in the past have done some large educational events. We had a event series called Talk Talks, where we brought in speakers um, to talk about uh, the evolving cutting edge, wh- what was cutting edge at the moment in cannabis. So now what do we do virtually? So now uh, we are still having our monthly events, but we're doing them on Zoom, uh, which, uh, you know, in many ways breaks my heart. And I, I really feed off of the energy of our people and the, and the connections that are made um, in a in face-to-face setting. I think our industry has been built off of that. Um, but the cool part about it is that is that these uh, virtual events have allowed us to connect with members all over the state um, and sometimes now all over the country. So um, that's actually been a great way to connect with folks. And I think the our like newsletters and just folks, you know, calling me up or emailing me when they have a question or problem um, has forced us to kind of find new ways and be a little bit more intentional about our connections, um, which has really helped think, for the industry. One other way that we we uh, keep our folks engaged and, and help um, kind of uh, delegate the tasks of the association is, is through committee work. So some of our members are, are volunteered to be on committees 
that do everything from planning member events down to like crafting uh, legislative policy requests or working um, with the OLCC. So those those folks are a little bit more uh, more involved than our standard member, um, but they also really help voice uh, the the concerns and issues. What we were where we want to see change and. What are some of the issues that you are maybe working on? You said the OLCC, that's the Oregon Liquor uh, Control, and they are Mm -hmm. the governing body over cannabis. What are some of the issues that you have been working on with them or with your own legislation? What, What are you working to do there recently? Yeah, you know, it's um, so there's there's two there's two ways to look at, at changing regulation for the industry. Um, so, and, and, um, well, uh, it's probably a, a couple, but there's two main that we focus on is, is, is it rules or is it legislative? So a rules request is something that we can work directly with the agency on, with the OLCC on to update their policies, um, to educate our folks. Um, and then but sometimes things are, are beyond the OLCC's control. So we need to look at changing them on a legislative level. Uh, our Oregon's legislature had a short session last year, and uh, and there wasn't a lot of uh, legislation that was able to go through that. So a lot of our work has been directly with the agency, um, and they you know do what they can. As I said, you know, in the beginning of our talk, you know, as the cannabis industry is also growing and figuring out how we operate in this new professional space, um, the regulatory regulator excuse me the regulators are also working very hard. Um, to create their own system. Um, and, and, you know, as an early adopter state, Oregon, uh, you know, helps to lead the way in, in recreational cannabis, in legal cannabis markets. But it also means that we have some growing pains um, that some of our later adopter states don't have to worry about because they, they have the lessons learned from Oregon and Colorado and other, other states that were, were leading that charge. So the agency has, uh, you know, we did the best we could when we legalized. A lot of it was based off of alcohol regulations. Um, and also a lot of it, like, frankly, was based off of, like, some people weren't on board with cannabis at that time and still looked at our legal businesses as criminals or, or kind of in what we maybe would call, like, a prohibition mindset. Um, so now, uh, with the agency and also with the help of support of le- legislators, um, we're working to update some of those rules and so that they work better in a modern business environment. I mean, you know, we know that, you know, cannabis, uh, I, gosh, I don't have the, the current uh, numbers, but, but nationally support for cannabis um, is, is overwhelmingly positive And we're seeing new states come on line with each election cycle. So if we want to help our Oregon businesses really, really succeed in what they can actually be really like, leaders in this space and really, I, I believe I'm biased, but Oregon cannabis, you know, I think can be right up there with Oregon Pinot. We can be really known for our products. Um, we need a regulatory system that now is updated to support that. So that's what we've been doing a lot. Um, there's two kind of crisis points we felt this um, this summer and the, we worked with the agency and one was licensing. Um, there's a backlog in licensing and just a lot of hangups there. So the agency did some work to streamline that and help licensees get their licenses um, moving along quicker so they can their businesses can continue to grow. And then we've also done some work in enforcement reform. And again, it just goes back to kind of shifting a mindset for regulators and licensees so that they can help to work together in partnership. And um, yeah, I think that's 
It's probably a good start. It was, no, it, that's, it that's a lot, fantastic. But, Thank yeah. you, uh, Kim London with uh, Oregon Cannabis Association. And it, it sounds like quite a heavy load that you carry. And maybe you could even divide this into, I don't know, a Eastern Oregon Cannabis Association and a Western Oregon or or something, uh, because it is such a, a, a large state and a large uh, industry as well. I'm, I'm sure it's a lot to juggle for you. Um, the, the OLCC, how have they been to, to work with? How have they been? Cause I remember at the early days of legalization and the, maybe the run up to some folks were very, uh, not in favor of attaching the OLCC to this because of the, well, the OLCC has a fairly ominous, uh, record track record of things in the state of Oregon. And there was some talk about creating a, a separate board or organization to handle this, but the ULCC in the end are the over, uh, overreaching body. How have they been? What has been the consensus? Have they improved? Cause I know there were some, some issues earlier on with uh, some of their agents, maybe treating business owners, like you said earlier, as criminals or treating these these cannabis industry farmers and, and shops uh, a little rough-handed, maybe. Um, how are things lately with them? Yeah, lately I'm seeing, I'm, I'm happy to say, especially from the top of the, the agency, from, from those leading the agency, there's a, there's a much improved tone at working with licensees. I think, you know, the early days, you know, it was what it was. We were defining ourselves as an industry and, and the OLCC was doing their best to figure out how how to regulate us. And, and, I, and I think like five years ago, it was a different national. What did it mean to have one state have a crop that we deem legal and on a federal level, it's a schedule one narcotic? Like that's a huge disconnect. And, 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 and I understand there's some significant worries there for regulators. Um, but also at the same time, we have to move quickly uh, because, you know, that was five years ago. Now, even though cannabis federally is still a Schedule One uh, drug, that's we see that changing soon. And as soon as that changes, there's going to be a boom in the cannabis industry and we can't have Oregon left behind. So so the OLCC has significantly, um, I think, made steps forward to do what they can to improve relations with the industry. There's still a lot of work to do there. And part of it is just organizations like myself trying to be a bridge between the two agencies, trying to help um, kind of put a human face on our cannabis businesses and try to explain some of the issues that they're dealing with. The the regulations and the rules, I mean, we talk a lot about alcohol versus cannabis. Alcohol, OLCC's alcohol regulations and rules have a hundred years of, uh, you know, of history to go back on and, and precedent. And they're all pretty locked down and the alcohol industry that hasn't changed a lot in that time. The cannabis industry is is changing and growing exponentially, exponentially every every day, every week. So for the regulators to keep up with that, and for our licensees to be able to explain regulators what they need and how their their work environment, their business environment is changing, and they need quick updates to that is difficult. Um, so that's why a lot of what our work is in try to like uh, work with the agency and push the agency to relax some of their restrictions that maybe didn't quite make sense or don't make sense now in our business environment. Um, you know, we're not, we're not concerned about our legal cannabis businesses, like also running like, you know, 
you know, um, also, you know, you know, running product out of our state. What we're trying to do is relax some regulations so that our legal cannabis businesses can grow, which will also help um, push down the illicit market. It's really good for everyone. Um, it's just, you know, that the agency is a, is a government agency. And so doing within those restrictions of that bureaucracy of government, um, what they can do, you know, they're limited sometimes, but, but at least from the top, there's been a good, um, good effort put forward to try to work with licensees. That's, that's great to hear. Um, so in the state of Oregon, medical became a, a thing in 1998, if I recall. And, um, Medical was kind of the, the 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 first domino, let's say, and then one state, three states, and then five states, and then seven states, and then you know Colorado gets legal, one state, and then a few more states, and then the the the, the dam breaks open, and now we're almost completely across the United States legal in one form, in one regard or the other, and I think that's because. Well, they saw the taxes and the money that was coming in, uh, which is always what makes the wheels move, I, I guess. Um, what are the couple states that are holding out? I know one of our neighbors here is it, is it Idaho is not quite there yet. Yeah, you know, Idaho is a holdout. I'm not super familiar with Idaho politics, but there, there have been some issues, you know, even, you know, I think it was maybe a year ago, like a uh, a, a truck transporting hemp, so so not low THC cannabis, totally uh, legal nationally, was 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 pulled over and the driver was arrested. So, uh, and you know, and it's it's interesting too because Idaho, um, uh, the the senator from Idaho is the head of the banking committee. So you know, we we've been working really hard going back to that national um, schedulization. Cannabis companies struggle quite a bit because they don't have access to traditional banking uh, because of their federal classification. And so the uh, the chair of the Senate Banking Co- Committee is from Idaho. And so it was this interesting, like that you know, but he he was actually open. Uh, he was he was open to the idea, although would not probably say it say it publicly. Um, but you mentioned like the taxes and the business, and I, I think even in those holdout states, they're going to realize that the more that they can do to help um, help these businesses operate as regular businesses is going to be good for the economy because the the money is is out there that these transactions are happening in state in states where it's legal. Um, so we need a way for them to easily, you know, pay their taxes and 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 well, and the hemp kind of industry yeah. uh, aside from. Uh, recreational or medical uh, THC producing, the hemp industry, the industrial hemp industry is also growing and on its own. Do you work with those businesses, let's say uh, 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 materials or, or, you know, uh, I'm drawing it a blank right now, but the rough raw hemp fiber was the word I was looking for, used in industry. Do you work with those businesses? You know, a lot of our, several of our members work on both sides of the regulatory um, fence is really what it is on the farms. Um, You know, it's, they, uh, we, we are, you know, 
our our foundation is in recreational cannabis, um, but they are in many, they're basically the same plant. And many of our businesses are able to diversify by having both, uh, both cannabis and hemp, either farms or products. Um, and that actually helps, you know, from a business standpoint, like, you know, diversifying can be can be helpful for many reasons. I mean, it also helped them to um, for things like uh, when COVID hit, those folks that had hemp farms were had access to to uh, COVID relief funds where our cannabis cannabis sides did not. Um, yeah, so it's although it's not hemp is not uh, our specialty. It's not my specialty. Um, we are definitely cousins. We're 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 very closely associated, and and we do what we can to support the hemp farmers and the hemp industry um, as much as we can with an organ focus. Do you collaborate or communicate in any way with other states, uh, maybe Washington or Colorado, or or states that aren't quite legal yet? Do they reach out to Oregon? Oregon being a, a pioneer in in this, uh, are you uh, in communication with other states? Yeah, yeah, we definitely check in. There's an alliance of of uh, associations around the country, um, and actually, one of the ones that we are a part of is Alliance of Cannabis and Hemp. So again, we're we're looking at the two coming together, um, associations from both cannabis and hemp um, from around the country. Uh, we also, um, you know, I haven't uh, haven't been in touch with any states that haven't legalized yet. Um, but I was just on a call um, where where the ED of Montana's Cannabis Association jumped on, and we were all very excited to welcome them. As Mon- Montana was one of the recent recent new adopter states, I'll say too for the for the OLCC for our regulators, they have also launched a, a national regulators uh, work group roundtable. So on that side, they're also starting to look at how they can work together um, again to get our regulations somewhere aligned and on the same page, looking to the day, um, be it a year, be it four years from now, uh, that we are now competing on a national level. And potentially international level with uh, Canada producing the whole country, uh, legalized uh, two years ago now, I think. Um, America needs to step up and join the rest of the, the rest of the world in, in this new uh, growing industry. I just love, I, I just love saying the pun. Yeah, they grow. Yeah, you know the national is. Um, you know we have a, economists on our leadership team that can speak much more to the challenges of the national level. But it's definitely something we, international. We need to we need to be aware of. And and you know going back to like Oregon cannabis, like like our our cannabis is special. It's unique. Our people are 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 innovators in the field, and they have this uh, wonderful obsessive attention to detail and producing a quality product. Um, so when we look at, at competing any on any kind of stage outside Oregon, whatever we can do to help protect, to protect and differentiate our brand, the better. Um, so it's part of this part of the work that we actually are just starting as an association um, is to craft a policy paper that's uh, proactive in, in this nationalization, uh, legalization conversation about what does it look like for our state and for our businesses uh, when we go national. When so we you go said you're new to the Oregon Cannabis Association or maybe two years. What brought you to this industry? Are you from Oregon? Uh, I, I'm practically, I grew up, I grew up in Battleground, which is just like about uh, 30, in 40 Washington. minutes north yeah, uh, yeah. of the, I'm familiar with the Washington side. Yeah. 
Yeah, I um I actually came to cannabis through a nonprofit. So before working for the Oregon Cannabis Association, I worked for uh, a local HIV AIDS service organization called Cascade mm-hmm. AIDS Project, uh, and I was in the uh, in the fundraising development trap track. Did a lot of community organizing, a lot of activism work um, through for our, those populations through, and and a lot of that um, came through um, through through healthcare. And uh, I was actually, I, I, uh, I, some of our new Oregon cannabis companies wanted to help support the work that we did. There's actually this kind of beautiful history of going back to what you, you talked about, medical legalization in the 90s in California. It was, it was heritage cannabis farmers that were giving AIDS patients um, medicine to help them with end of life care and help push forward. Um, you know, our, we owe medical to, to those early AIDS ac- activists. So it was beautiful. And I, you know, in my young like fundraiser mind, I thought, oh, this is great. This is, this is, I can't wait to take all this cannabis money um, and give it, give it, you know, put it to good work. And then I also had, uh, it was also the early days of uh, legalization in Oregon. And there was lots of changes at that time, constant label updates and people were having to throw out product. And so I had some folks come to me and say, you know, we have this product that would be really great for your patients. We can't sell it. You know, can we give it, can we give it to them? I was like, yes, I would, I would love to do that. And actually that wasn't even THC. It was just CBD at that point. Um, so, so non-regulated. And, uh, and I thought that was great. And then I went back to our, our lawyers uh, at, at CAP and they said, oh, please, no. They said, no, we cannot do that because, because the nonprofit was funded by the federal government and, and going back, cannabis is a schedule one narcotic. So, so we couldn't take, we couldn't take this um, donation. And so that's really like, my first foray into the complexities of cannabis and kind of the inequalities and injustices there is like these businesses are are trying to establish themselves but are still really fighting um, on the federal level um, to be recognized. Well, no, that's kind of long-winded, that, that's, but that, that's, that's, that's how I got that it. You, that yeah. you have been uh, so active in, in, as you said, in, in medical, uh, in the treatment, because like you said, that is the the earliest stages and that's how this has all come about. Uh, so that's a little bit of historical note that I was hoping to, to get to. That's great to hear that. I, I did not know that about you. Super. Um, thank you so much. We are running out of time. What is new for Oregon Cannabis Association? Uh, what do you have on the horizon? Yeah, you know, a lot of it is is coming together. So, so our focus this year, we have a legislative session coming up. Um, and I'm really proud that we have been able to join with other associations around the state to, and really bring the entire industry together. So we have some, some big legislative pieces that we're excited about and everything we do is going to become like United Voice. Uh, and for the association ourselves. Um, you know, we're just going to keep coming together to do that work, to work with the agency more to improve If people things. wanted to, uh, um, if people wanted to look up, uh, maybe get onto your, your email list, what is the website? Uh, yeah, it's orcannabisassociation.org. Um, so that's the best way to check us out. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram. We post a lot of our events on there. And right now, um, in the virtual environment, most of our events are open to everyone. So you don't have to just be a member to come. Wonderful. I really, really appreciate talking with you. It's been very educational. Uh, uh, great to uh, to hear so much going on in Oregon with uh, with cannabis and hemp and activation. And thank you once again.
Yeah, you're very welcome. That was great to chat. Thanks for having me on. Music produced by the letter J, Cody Robertson. You can email me, Trevor, at Times Like Now, and find me on Facebook at Times Like Now. Thank you for tuning in. Join me again. <laughs>